welcome back to Minute Out's Let's Talk, a podcast that brings valuable resources for prospective and current adoptive and foster families, as well as professionals. My name is Jessica Miller, and today I am talking with Brianna Sig. Brianna received her Master's of Social Work from the University of Minnesota in 2018. Before beginning her work within the mental health field, Brianna graduated from Hamlin University with a bachelor's degree in both psychology and sociology. Brianna's sociology professor focused on content that allowed her to truly start to understand the way trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming folks are forced to endure transphobia, cisnormativity, and erasure on a regular basis. Throughout her career, Brianna has expanded on her knowledge and experience, providing a safe and welcoming environment for trans GNC clients to explore themselves and navigate the unique challenges they face due to their identity. Building awareness around intersectionality helps people understand the complexities that come with living their truth. Brianna believes that as a practitioners and allies, it is our job to challenge the systems that perpetuate transphobia and cisnormativity, as well as look inwards at our own beliefs and contribution to these systems. Throughout Brianna's career and personal life, she has grown passionate about working with those who hold more marginalized identities, particularly those who struggle with the LGBTQIA community. Within the acronym comes a variety of different experiences, struggles, self-reflection, and pride. However, those within the gender minority who identify as transgender, non-binary, and or gender non-conforming are especially targeted and misunderstood. Over the last several years, Brianna has strived to provide a safe and supportive space for trans and non-binary folks to explore and reflect on their gender narrative. Brianna's knowledge and experience with trans issues has come from the last nine years working with trans and non-binary clients in a variety of different settings, including case management, psychiatric, social work, and therapy. By opening herself up to learning directly from the experts who have gone through their different transition journeys, Brianna was able to recognize the need to bring more attention, education, and understanding to the issues so many gender minorities face. Brianna's priority within her practice is to not only empower and lift these voices, but to continuously reflect on her own biases as a cisgendered female, challenge cisnormativity by inviting curiosity over gender norms and exploring the impact this has on so many people who don't fit into the boxes our society has constructed. Delving into the intricacies of the alphabet soup not only allows us to be more open and understanding, but allows us to see the beauty and vibrant color this community brings to our world. Brianna, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yes, I think this is such an important topic. So we're just really thankful to have you here with us. Um, let's just start off. I just kind of want to start off with this basic question. This is something we get asked often. Um, there are so many words, labels, and identities to keep up with. What if I make a mistake with the words that I use when talking with LGBTQ plus youth? I think this is such an important question because so many people really worry about this. And I think it can make it really hard to like grow and learn and engage with people because of that fear. So sometimes it keeps us in our box and it keeps us um, away from actually like putting ourselves out there and trying to learn new things. And so obviously language is constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. And there are so many different words and so many different things to keep up with. And so 
I think being able to recognize that mistakes are going to happen. Like even people who are in the community make mistakes. Even people who have, um, who are recently changing the way that they're wanting to be identified, they make mistakes sometimes. So giving yourselves a little bit of compassion and understanding and patience, I think is so important. And every single person for the most part that I have ever talked to within the LGBTQ community, they can tell when you're trying. And if you make mistakes, um, they, they expect mistakes, but they wanna see that people are putting in an effort to hear them and to be respectful. Um, and so I think when mistakes happen, sometimes we have a little bit of a, we tend to kind of like over apologize and it can be kind of awkward and it can make people feel really uncomfortable um, because it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so, so sorry. And then they're, they're having to kind of take care of you a little bit. And so that's something, that's one thing that I really want to try to help people to understand is that if you make a mistake, apologize quickly and then correct yourself and then move forward. Um, that's going to make people feel the most comfortable. And, and if someone corrects you, being able to say like, oh, thank you so much. I will be more mindful of that in the future and, and be mindful of it. Follow up with that. So I think trying to do your best and your intentions matter. That's so great, Brianna. And I think too, sometimes we get so consumed with thinking about the mistakes we might make that it creates this fear from even starting the conversation. And so that's Absolutely. definitely not, not what we want to do. We want to make sure that we are engaging and having those conversations. Absolutely. And it's, it's one of those things where we're human, right? And um, being kind to each other is important. And one thing I will say though, with the labels and identities, and um, we do have to be trying to learn. I think we have to be open to learning. And um, I think something that's important is that if you really know that you struggle with it, like to practice in your own time, like practice, um, keep a note to yourself. Um, if you're, you know, working with a client or if you're working with a kiddo, um, be, you have to be a little bit intentional and be aware of that. Um, and I think it can come down to a little bit of that respect and that understanding of like, this is what someone is wanting me to be um, calling them. And so I need to be respectful of that. And I need to do my best to try, even if it feels weird or it feels different for me. So that's something that's important. We have to, we have to kind of do our share of, of the effort too. Absolutely. Um, so as you know, Brianna, we deal with a lot of different youth and children in the foster care and adoption world. So why is it important that we talk about these is the issues experienced by youth who identify as LGBTQ plus rather than just youth in general? This is a, another really good question, I think, um, because a lot of kids who are in the foster system, who are um, looking to be adopted, who are have different changes in caregivers, um, they already have experienced likely some kind of trauma, some type of attachment disrupt, disruption. And when someone identifies as LGBTQ, especially a youth, there are some additional, like potentially catastrophic um, consequences of being open with that identity. Um, according to the Human Rights Campaign, they did a report in like 2018. Um, and it they said that 78% of LGBTQ youth were removed or ran away from a foster placement due to hostility specifically because of their, their sexual orientation or their gender identity. And that is a huge number. And so not only are they dealing with the trauma that comes with being removed from a home, being removed from a caregiver, being kind of passed to different placements potentially, um, they have to fear for their safety a lot of the time in an additional way because of their identity. 
Um, so 50% of trans youth have attempted suicide at least once. Um, again, a really, really huge number. Um, but what's a really important number that I like to share is that 52, there's a 52% decrease in suicidal ideation with family acceptance. And so that is really key. So if they're able to go into a home where they feel safe to be themselves, um, where they don't have to hide who they are, um, because they're going to be dealing with potential peer re rejection, internalized shame, internalized guilt, potential past trauma due to their identity, um, they might be exploring it and be really struggling with society's expectations. And so they need a little bit of that extra support and they need to be able to build that trust. Um, and so there's a lot of nuances that come with holding that identity, um, especially in the world that we live in. You know, we live in a world that passes a lot of binary messages, right? We have boys, we have girls. And if you're anything in between, you, you have to kind of be what society says. Otherwise you might not be loved. That's sometimes internalized. And so it comes with a lot of extra anxieties, a lot of um, different mental health things that can come up, depression, isolation, body image. Um, so there are some, some extra things that kind of come into this, um, a lot of intersectionality and a lot of complex issues. So I think it's really important to acknowledge that someone who might hold a youth that might hold an LGBTQ identity might come into your home already feeling really, really worried to be themselves or to be safe or mm -hmm. um, to feel accepted. Absolutely. Those uh, statistics are just heartbreaking. Yep. And so I think those just shed light on how important it is that we are having these conversations and making sure that we're doing this work to be prepared to really open our homes and our hearts and accepting and being prepared to have these conversations. Absolutely. And um, that's a lot. I mean, a big, a big chunk of youth who are experiencing homelessness um, are LGBTQ youth. And, and that's just a, a fact that is very, um, it's very heartbreaking, like you said. And so it's, it's something that a lot of kids within the system potentially hold one of these identities and um, they've due to their identity in particular. So it's, it's, it's really important. Mm -hmm. And so we just want to acknowledge that we may have some listeners that this may be a, a newer discussion for them, something that they're just starting to think about um, in the foster care world. So is it possible to be supportive of LGBTQ plus youth if we don't really understand the identities? Yes. Um, I wholeheartedly believe that it's possible to do that. I think the intention matters. Um, I think that when we don't understand things, again, we have to give ourselves patience and compassion, but we also have to remember that these are kids, right? They're youth, they're teenagers. Um, they need adults to be a safe space, period. And so if you're struggling, if you're not sure if you understand, it comes down to respect, right? Mutual respect, where if they're asking you to use a certain name or if they're asking you to use pronouns, it's not it's not going to harm you to use those, but I promise that if you don't, it will harm them. And so we have to be able to do our exploration and our growth and our like learning in a separate space so we can allow those kids to explore. We can allow them to um, figure out what fits for them in a safe space while we seek out our own support to be like, this is really hard for me. I, I need to learn more. I want to figure out if this is something that I'm capable of doing. Um, but I think being able to recognize that you can do that, but I just think it's important to do that in a separate space than the kiddos. 
Um, and when we look at being supportive, like what does that really look like? It means trusting, like building trust, building rapport, creating a safe home and not just physically safe, but emotionally safe. And so being respectful, being compassionate, putting effort in, listening to the kids, asking questions, being curious. Those are things that anybody can do, even if you don't really understand. And it, I, it goes a long way just to, to be engaged in that and to, to work on learning and work on like asking questions, even if you have to go and seek out other supports to do that. So I think, again, with kind of ties into that first question of like that fear that comes in of like, I'm going to make a mistake. I don't really understand. I don't really know what to do. Um, and so giving yourself some room for that and then taking the steps to like learn about it, read about it, see if opinions might change, see if your thought process might change a little bit. It takes a little bit of um, challenging ourselves, but it's it's something that's important if you're trying to provide a safe home for kids. Absolutely. And so often foster and adoptive and kinship families are challenging themselves in other areas, learning about trauma and attachment. Oh, yeah. And this is just another area that's really equally important to be invested in. Um, so Brianna, I feel like I hear you saying that it's really important that caregivers are learning. We don't expect them to go in with the knowledge, but when they're faced with it, they take the opportunity to learn outside of that relationship with the youth on their own. Um, so can you give us or tell us what types of resources are available for parents and caregivers? Absolutely. And I think if we remind ourselves of the world we live in, right, we have access to so much information. And, um, you know, I hear, I hear kind of that message a lot where it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm from a different generation. I don't, I don't know about this stuff. But, you know, we didn't have internet back then either. We also didn't have cell phones and smart TVs and, and somehow people adjust and they learn. And it takes intention, it takes effort. And that's sometimes scary and sometimes really hard. Um, but following different people on social media, right? Following LGBTQ celebrities, following people who are advocates, watching TV shows that incorporate LGBTQ stories, right? Um, and there are so many of those. And so there's a really great uh, documentary on Netflix that I really like to like remind people to watch. It's called Disclosure. Um, and it's really cool because it talks about the, um, the way that Hollywood has portrayed trans folks throughout history. Um, and it has a lot of, a lot of really important trans um, actors and actresses uh, talking about their experiences. And it's really powerful because it's coming from them. And when you hear people's stories, we learn so much. And it's not their job to teach us about that, but when they're willing to, if we just listen, it, it's amazing what you can learn and how you can really feel some of the experiences that they felt and it, it helps. Um, and there's lots of local um, websites and things like that. Um, Rain, Rainbow Health, they used to be Just Us Health. They're a great organization. Um, I really love the website uh, Transforming Families Minnesota. They have a really cool section on their website that has like a resources page and it, it separates it. So it's like legal resources, mental health resources, um, different things that you can read. And it has just a list of a ton of different, different options. Um, the Trevor Pro Project, Human Rights Campaign, um, the Family Acceptance Project. Um, and, and those are all great and websites are great. Um, seeking out your own therapist, if you need a space to be able to talk through things, um, seeking out support groups. Um, there aren't as many for parents, and I'm hopefully working on that just in the future because I think it's so needed, but 
um, seeking out other parents maybe who have have um, who have an LGBTQ youth in their home, um, talking to them, having conversations. Um, otherwise, there are some really really good books you can read, and you can I mean you could literally Google and find. Mm -hmm tons of books, but some of the ones I really like to recommend are um, The Transgender Teen, which is a really good one um, by Stephanie Brill, um, Families in Transition, which is Arlene Lev, and Space at the Table, which is Brad and Drew Harper. And so all of these books are another, it's just another way to expose yourself to new information and to learn. And um, being able to, I think that's the really important part of like being open. If you don't understand things, like knowledge is power, right? And so read articles, read books, um, try to understand the different perspectives and, and allow yourself room for um, just challenging your own ideas about, about things. And so learning about it, I have, I have a lot of adult clients who um, are working on their relationships with parents and caregivers. Um, and one of the things I hear so much is like, I sent this really great article and they won't even read it. Um, and it's so hurtful. They don't, they're not even asking them to understand and they're not even asking them to be like supportive even. <laughs> they just want them to be open to learning. And so I think that is something that we can really do to, to just do our best to support, you know, all LGBTQ people. But specifically, if you're going to be having youth in the home, um, you want to be able to learn just like you're learning about different types of trauma, different types of experiences that kids in the foster system who have experienced attachment disruption, who's experienced these things, you want to learn about that as much as you can. Um, so this is another, another way to do that. Absolutely. At MinAdopt, we like to be a good partner and provide some of those resources as well. Yes. So if you are listening, I want to let you know that we do have some really great training opportunities in our webinar library. You can go to our website, www.minadopt.org, click the education tab, and then choose webinar and podcast library. Um, so we have some great on-demand trainings. And then we also have a resource page available for you as well. So, but Brianna, thank you for sharing all of the fabulous resources that are out there. It's really good to know that really it's right at our fingertips. We just have to be willing to move our fingertips and reach out and access the resources that are available. Yes. Um, before we leave, Brianna, I just have to ask one more question. Is there yeah. any, any specific tip or that you would give to a potential foster family or a new foster family um, getting started in the process? I would say um, being open to um, your expectations, being challenged a little bit sometimes. I think sometimes we can go in with expectations and it's human, it's really natural, like of course, um, but recognizing that when you start to feel those expectations being pushed against a little bit to let it, let it in a little bit. We gotta lean into that discomfort sometimes. Um, and obviously, um, I would say reminding yourself that, you know, LGBTQ stuff, right? We hear it all the time. Um, we're focusing so much on learning and, you know, we want to respect identities, but these are kids who just want to be welcomed and they want to feel connected and they want to feel loved and supported. And at the end of the day, I think all of the parent, all of the foster parents and, um, respite care providers and professionals working in this field, the end of the day, I think that's everybody's priority is to, to be a support for these kids. And so at the end of the day, like they're going to have so many strengths, the way that they see the world, the way that LGBTQ youth see the world is so cool. If you let yourself just listen to them, 
they've got so many creative ideas and, and ways to see things. And so let it in a little bit. You can, I've learned so much from the youth that I've worked with. You just listen. So that would be my advice. Um, they bring a lot of color into your life if you let it. That's beautiful. And I think it's, you're right. It's so important to remember that how important connection is. We can get so busy talking about um, the language, the how-tos, but just reminding at the end of the day that that we are people who desire connection and belonging. 100%. And I think we are all capable of that. And so I think reminding ourselves that is important. Absolutely. Brianna, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your partnership with MinAdopt and are so thankful to have you with us today. Thank you. I'm so happy to just be able to share some of this information and like everybody listening, thank you for being here and, and just being interested because it's it's so important. So I'm so happy to, that there's a need for it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We'll hope you join us again next time for Let's Talk.